You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, really glad that you have joined us. In America, there's just about nothing that could get in the way of holding an election in which people can go to their polling places and cast their ballots without fear for their safety. But we're finding out now that situations exist that can threaten the safety of holding an election in a traditional way. How are elections officials navigating this question of how to make sure that our democratic rights are protected, even though we're enduring a global pandemic? That's where we want to continue the conversation here on Detroit Today. And joining us to talk about elections during crisis is Michigan's Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson. Jocelyn, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So we have an election coming up on May 5th. You and the governor have decided that that election will be done by mail. How will that work? And how did you come to that decision, which is a little different than what we've seen in some other states? Right. And I think I come to it from really two positions. One, the view that you know, now more than ever, it is critical that we maintain and protect our ability of our citizens to hold our elected officials accountable. And every decision that we make uh, around any election, be it local, state or federal, sets a precedent and really defines who we are as a country and how we're going to operate or protect democracy in times of crisis in general. So recognizing that and then also our country has a long history of holding elections during crises. The question becomes, how do we adapt to this new normal ensure that voters don't have to choose between their health and their right to vote and hold the election, move forward, ensure democracy prevails, uh, while also doing everything with an eye towards protecting the health and safety of everyone, not just our voters, but also our election workers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So with that, in Michigan, we have the tools to do that. It's going to, again, take some work and take some adaptation, but we can do it. And that tool is enabling every citizen to vote by mail. Now, May 5th elections are a a small number uh, relatively uh, local, mostly school board elections throughout the state. And the first thing we did uh, was reach out to every locality hosting an election May 5th and give them an opportunity to delay the question that they have presented to voters until August or November, with the presumption or, or understanding that things may not be any different in August or November. We hope they are. We hope they're better. But we have to prepare, hope for the best and prepare uh, for the worst, essentially. So that said, we wanted to give every locality the power to determine when they had their question, given this new normal. And about half of the localities said, you know what, we want to wait until August until we put this millage before our voters or we try to fill this vacancy or whatever. But about half of the community said, if we don't vote on this millage on May 5th, we won't have money to operate our school this fall. And so these are essentially critical questions, essential questions that need to be put to voters May 5th. And once that became clear, and once we limited to those, then we moved forward with creating a vote by mail system, mailing every single citizen with a, who's registered to vote in a community with an election on May 5th, a ballot uh, request form so that they can, without having to pay postage or leave their home, request their ballot, receive their ballot and return their ballot and essentially vote from home in this May 5th election. And so just to be clear, People cannot go to the polls on May 5th. It's not that this mail-in vote is an option. This is the way that you have to vote in that election. Well, we have one exception on Election Day 
for citizens who want to register to vote, request their ballot, and return it on Election Day. Now, that does have to be done in person. Hmm. And so recognizing, and this is, in in our view, a model that many other states are looking at, uh, recognizing that we have to ensure every citizen who wants to vote is able to do so safely and securely. We left open one jurisdiction, one essentially precinct in every jurisdiction that's hosting an election, basically the clerk's offices, that will remain open on Election Day to assist voters with disabilities and ensure also that citizens can continue to register to vote through Election Day, which they have a right to do so. Um, so uh, essentially, if uh, if someone decides on Election Day that they want to register and vote in the May 5th election, it's our duty to make sure that they can. And they can do so in person at clerk's offices for this May 5th election. But our, our hope is that we will minimize the number of people who are in that scenario by encouraging everyone to cast their ballot by mail beforehand. Uh, let's talk about what might happen if this goes further than May or June or July. We've got elections scheduled mm-hmm. uh, throughout throughout the year, and if this stretches into August or November, is it possible that we'll have to deal with larger elections this way? You pointed out that May 5th, we only have a couple of local elections to deal with. August is bigger, and November, of course, is the biggest election that we ever hold. Right. And and we're certainly keeping in mind and developing contingency plans for August and November elections and, frankly, learning a lot from how this May election is going to, to operate so that we can ensure uh, that we ha- put the best foot forward in August and November if we're in the identical situation. So a lot of the decisions we're making for the May 5th election are with an eye towards, you know, if this were October, what would we be doing? Would we be doing the same thing? And and, and if the answer is yes, then, then we move forward. An example of that is that we have to not just ensure the mechanisms for voting are secure, but also that our election workers are protected, that their health and safety is prioritized as well. So we actually um, have done two things on that. One, we've created guidelines for our election workers and our clerks uh, to set up their offices on Election Day uh, to maintain social distancing and to have masks, gloves, and sanitation in in place to protect their safety while they receive and process and count these ballots. And then recognizing that some elderly election workers or those with pre-existing conditions may not want to work an election, either now or in November, we've put out a call for what we're calling democracy's MVPs. Their most valuable players are our election workers. And we have have asked citizens around the state, and people can still do this, to go to michigan.gov slash democracy MVP to sign up to work on mm-hmm. election day uh, with those safety precautions in place to serve and be paid to do so, but also to really help us make sure democracy uh, continues. And when you look at Wisconsin, one of their challenges there where they didn't have enough poll workers, election workers, to operate the elections on election day. Here in Michigan, we were anticipating for May 5th we'd get a few hundred people signing up. All over 50 1,500 people have signed up to help with the May 5th election, saying, send me, I'll serve, what can I do? And that's incredibly encouraging and gives me hope and the knowledge that when it comes to August or November, we're building a strong and talented workforce of election workers who will be prepared to operate our elections in those statewide scenarios, uh, regardless of where we are, whether we're back to normal or whether we're right here. My guest is Jocelyn Benson. She is the Secretary of State here in the state of Michigan. We are talking about elections that take place during a time of crisis and the changes that we need to make to make sure that people are able to cast their ballots safely. May 5th is the next election day here in the state of Michigan. 
Several local elections will take place, and they will take place by mail uh, as a way of making sure that people are able to cast their ballots without having to show up someplace and risk their lives because of the distancing that we are requiring people to maintain because of the coronavirus pandemic. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us if you think voting by mail is the right way to hold an election during this pandemic, or do you think maybe we should be postponing or canceling elections and waiting until August or later to make those decisions at the ballot box? How do you think elections officials should handle this question of how to protect public health, but also make sure we're able to participate in our democracy? Uh, As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter and leave comments there, and we'll try to work them into the conversation. Also, as always right now, we're just taking calls to hear how you're doing, how you're managing all of the change and the stress and the strain of this pandemic. Uh, It's about a month since we started really reacting and changing our lives to deal with all of this. Uh, I think we have a little bit more ahead of us still than we do behind, but I'm hopeful that you're able to keep in mind that we will get through this. We will get to another day where we can actually interact with each other in the physical world. This won't last forever. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Before we get to listeners, Jocelyn, I want to ask you about this this specter of voter fraud that has Mm -hmm. been raised mostly by the president of the United States, uh, who says, you know, mail voting is susceptible to hijinks and things that, that compromise the integrity of elections. Uh, what's your answer to that? And talk about some of the things that Michigan has in place to make sure that maybe that doesn't happen. Yeah, I think um, it, in me, to me, data suggests, and there have been several states that have been voting by mail for many years, uh, that voting by mail is actually quite secure uh, and um, and and um, safe as well. Uh, I mean, voters like it because it can be done at home while they research candidates and issues. Of course, by staying home to vote, voters are not vulnerable to coronavirus. But it's also secure uh, because everyone who mails in their ballot must sign the envelope that um, that they that is attached uh, or the ballot secrecy form that's attached to. Um, and included in the the ballot return. And so voting by mail uh, ensures that signature matching is built into the process. Essentially, uh, the way that it works is uh, the signature on that ballot or on that envelope will be matched with a signature on both the request form and the voter registration document. Uh, if those signatures match, then, it, and, and, and by the way, it is, is much more difficult to um, falsify a signature than it, it's, it's much easier to falsify an ID or a photo ID and create fake IDs. It's much more difficult to falsify someone's signature. Um, and so signature matching is actually the most reliable way of, of confirming someone is who they say they are and confirming their identity. So in many ways, vote by mail is, is one of the more secure ways of, of ensuring that those casting their ballots are who they say they are. Now, we know the president and many others have since made clear that really underlying the fear uh, and the arguments around voting by mail is the other data point, which is that people don't just like voting by mail. uh, They oftentimes will choose to vote by mail if they can do so, whereas prior to that, they might not have voted at all. In other words, 
voting by mail has led to increased turnout. Um, and uh, to me, that is a great thing because it, there's no, um, there's no, you know, the, the more that we ensure that the results of our elections accurately reflect the will of the people, the better off our democracy is. And there's no evidence that, that necessarily benefits one party or the other. It simply benefits all of us when everyone votes. So, um, so with that, and especially because I think um, voting systems should be, of course, accessible and secure, but we also should always be listening to what voters want uh, when they um, when they're saying how they want to express their vote. And so many voters, including those in Michigan, had said we want to vote by mail. They amended our constitution to be mm-hmm. able to give themselves a right to vote by mail. Mm-hmm. So, um, so to me, it's a real endorsement of that policy that the voters want it, that we can do it safely and securely, uh, and that the data shows that under underlying others' criticisms of the system is really a fear that they may have of what increased turnout may, may, may mean for them. Mm-hmm. Right, let's go to Corey in uh, Hazel Park. Corey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Sure. Uh, yeah, so things have been really weird lately. Um, starting <laughs> February 24th, uh, hmm. I had my apartment in Midtown burned uh, because of a fire by the landlord having... An illegal operation in the top floor. Um, I got misplaced to Hazel Park. I'm living with my girlfriend, who's a single mom. Um, she's a nurse at Henry Ford in Detroit, so she's on the front line of this uh-huh. constantly. And it's just a weird situation where everything's forced together. Um, yeah. yeah, like it's it's just like I'm trying to find an apartment currently, but there's nothing that's really doing showings. There's virtual showings. It's just very tough. That's a real, that's a very strange limbo. And it, and it also, I think connects to the conversation we're having with the secretary of state, which is if you are displaced somehow Mm -hmm. because of all of this voting by mail becomes kind of a trickier proposition, doesn't it? Uh, There, there are options to ensure everyone who wants to be able to vote, including those who are homeless, uh, who also maintain their right to vote regardless of, of where, the, where they may live or, or their residency. Uh, in Michigan, uh, in, notably, we do have the ability to update or register to vote up till and on Election Day. And that's why preserving that Election Day option is so important for anyone who, for whatever reason, is unable to uh, receive a ballot by mail uh, or request it ahead of Election Day or return it in, in because uh, under current law, it has to be returned by 8 p.m. on Election Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Maintaining that option in every jurisdiction for someone to show up or a place where someone uh, can show up and uh, re- register to vote if they need to or update their address. Uh, request a ballot and return it is critical to preserve. And in the May 5th elections, you know, most of these elections are held in, in small local uh, rural communities. There are There's a, only a handful, I think one or two uh, jurisdictions in Wayne and Oakland County, uh, and, and none, I think, in Livingston and, and in a couple of few other places. Um, but these are mostly smaller communities. When we do have to, or if we do have to, extrapolate this out for more um a populous community like in Oakland County or Wayne or Detroit, uh, we will have to look for more satellite locations for people to show up on Election Day and exercise their right to vote uh, and, and do that safely and securely. So, again, we're modeling that now. And also in conversations with the federal government and other states, uh, Ohio has an election on April 28th uh, that is almost entirely vote by mail. And, and there are a number of other states holding elections in various forms over the next uh, six to eight weeks. So we're also all learning from each other. Uh, and, uh, and, and these are the types of scenarios uh, that your caller mentioned that we mm-hmm. want to make sure 
um, even in the significant uncertainty that so many of us are facing, so many citizens are dealing with right now, mm-hmm. uh, that, that they still have an avenue or path to exercise their voice and their right to vote. Uh, Corey, I, I really am sorry about the circumstances you're living in as well. And again, I hope that you can keep in mind that this is all temporary. It is not going to be the permanent state of the world and that we will be able to get back to, to life as as normal. It will be different, uh, but uh, it will be more normal than this sometime soon. But thanks very much for listening and for the call. Let's quickly go to Victoria and Holly. Victoria, welcome to the show. Yes, I have one quick question and then I'm hanging up. Mm-hmm. If the president decides to not fund USPS, how are you going to do the mail-in that's a that's a really great question, Victoria. The, the The post office is is vulnerable, like many other institutions right now, because of the loss of revenue. The president has hinted that he may not want to do what uh, do what he needs to do to save it. Jocelyn Benson, if that yeah. happens, what happens to our mail in voting, which, as you point out, voters here embraced uh, mm-hmm. in a big way just two years ago. Yeah, I think there are contingency plans in place. If that if that um, happens, it would be, um, you know, frankly, a, a terrible thing, not just for democracy, um, but for our country to to walk away from the United States Postal Service because it is the backbone of so many things that that we're able to receive right now. Delivery is so important to maintain. Um, that said, on the election side, uh, you know, we. Um, there are other ways in which ballots can be returned, um, either through drop boxes or through um, alternative methods of, of, of return, delivering and returning things. There are you know, other delivery services that we would look into. Uh, and uh, we, we, uh, my approach is that we have to adapt creatively to the challenges that we are given. And I think in that scenario, uh, while it would be um, certainly a, a, a a terrible thing that moves far beyond our democracy that for our U.S. Postal Service to shut down. Uh, we are we, we would be prepared for that, and we would uh, effectively communicate to citizens alternative ways that they could receive and return their ballots um, from their home. Uh, and uh, and again, like I said, we're we're working with Department of Homeland Security and many other entities um, to to flesh out that contingency should it arrive. Mm. Okay, Jocelyn Benson, Michigan Secretary of State. I've only got like 30 seconds left, but I did want to give you a chance to talk about this ruling yesterday. Mm. Court of Appeals says redistricting can go, we can do what we've agreed to do with a redistricting commission here. Yeah, it's a, it's a ruling by the federal court, Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, that, that, that affirmed the citizens' ability to create a citizen redistricting commission, which, of course, they voted into law in November 2018. And uh, it's a great validation of the will of the people of Michigan, who voted overwhelmingly to give themselves the power to draw their own districts for Congress and the state legislature. And this fall, that is exactly what will be happening right now. Citizens can apply to serve on that commission at redistrictingmichigan.org. You have until June 1st, so a few few weeks left. Uh, we've received thousands of applications so far. Again, overwhelming interest. And uh, it's really exciting now to have the wind at our back in that scenario with the court support to implement the Citizens Redistricting Commission this fall. Yeah. The grand experiment goes forward. Okay. (laughs) Jocelyn Benson, Michigan Secretary of State, always great to have you here. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation.